morning, everyone. It's the 5th of September, and as we start our day together like this on Faith Radio Mornings, just offer the reminder that first and foremost, we are sons and daughters of a king in a kingdom that knows no end. We are sons and daughters of Jesus through whom all things have been made, including us. And so as we're dealing with all of the rancor and the news and some of the divisions of the day, remember that we all bear the image of God. And if anything else keeps us united, that is the central fact that God is for all of us, and even in the difficulties of the day, he, he desires that none would perish, but all would come to be part of his kingdom. And so welcome to Faith Radio Mornings. I'm your host for the show, Dr. Peter Kapsner, joined in studio by the familiar names of Logan Rausch and Paul Perot, who, along with Rachel Sutton, bring the guests into the show and, and bring the news of the day. And, of course, Bill English is our regular Wednesday morning guest at this time, and he's in studio, and he's actually clapping for Logan Rausch right now, which it creates a bit of dissonance in me, Bill. I mean, you know, if there's anything we can all agree on it, it is you know just the role of logan you know and just we were talking during the break that you know it's it's it, there's a witness that you and i can bear in studio to mr roush is there not i mean well yes but he needs encouragement well he does he does he you know he he's coming along quite well he, he is you know for 22 years old he really brings you know perspective and depth that i'm afraid i'd hate to say well, it, but i would say I depth have... i'd say perspective <laughs> so so you know any recommend you, you know you're in business you work with young people and yeah. and across the board i mean as, as people are trying to figure out life moving forward. I think often of my graduates who are heading out of Northwestern and and maybe Bethel, some of the places where I teach, and, and just think the world suddenly looks really wide and very difficult to navigate. What do you what do you suggest for those first couple of years out of school? Uh, stay out of debt. Yeah. Enjoy yourself and uh, grow closer to God. Hmm, and make sure that you understand where God is really taking you on your trajectory. And if there's anything big you want to do that you can't do once you're really settled down, go do it now. Well, and, and it is that's uh, it, it's so tough coming in. I know that the stats are these days that the cost of living has more than doubled in the last 20, 30 years, and yet the income levels have not have kept, kept up, up with that. Yeah. And so I know a lot of young people feel like a failure these days if they're still living with their parents. And I think parents feel like a failure as well if they're 25, 26-year-old. But that's really a weird phenomenon in world history. Most of the time, families have stayed together for the course of a lifetime. Yeah, they do. And I, I've been saying for some time now that uh – that families are going to have to coalesce and live under under the same roof. I just think the economic conditions are going to point in that direction. Yeah, and it really is an invitation then maybe to coming back together as integrated families as opposed yeah. to the fragmentation we so often experience. Yeah, we are so individualistic in the society. We don't belong to groups. We belong to tribes. We belong to factions. But really coming together as part of as seeing yourself and your persona is part of something much larger than yourself. It's not something we do in America very well. Well, it's Bill English. You know him from BibleandBusiness.com. He joins me on Wednesday mornings here on Faith Radio Mornings to talk about all manners of business from a from a Christian perspective. And I know, Bill, one of the things that can really drive families apart is being in business together. And you're yeah. so helpful and just yeah. kind of talking through the dimensions of that. So when we come back, lots to get to, especially about the idea of what it means for second and third generation people that take over the business to really follow the governance and the standards that have been set before them because, boy, you go off the rails, the business goes off the rails. So some good advice coming from Bill English next on Faith Radio Mornings.
little Huey Lewis in the news here and the power of love uh, signifying the arrival, which you've already heard his voice this morning, Bill English, BibleandBusiness.com, and comes in on Wednesday mornings to talk about uh, business things from a Christian view, but knows more than just business, Bill. I mean, you're actually you're you're in about six weeks or so now heading to Israel, leading a tour over yeah, there? Yeah, about six weeks. Yeah. Well, I found it mm-hmm. fascinating in the news this morning that archaeologists have said they think they've found the real site of the first miracle Christians believe Jesus performed. That was turning water into wine at the village of Cana, and it's a fascinating place to go in Israel where you can actually walk around these archaeological dig sites, and they begin to unearth some of uh, of the, the inscriptions, some of the fragments, some of the tunnels maybe people were walking in during the time of Jesus. It's almost this, it's surreal to walk around in these places. I would. It is surreal. I've only been there once. Have you ever been? Yeah, I studied there for about three and a half weeks as an undergrad and then went back one other time as part of a baseball missionary camp. And it was just, I mean, each time going, even just touching down in the plane, yes. you just feel like, whoa, the space <clears> and the <throat> land is just somehow different. Everywhere you go, every step you take in Israel, there's history there. And you may not know what the history is, right. but you know you're in you're in probably the most historical place in all of Earth. Yeah, and and, and going to the place where the water was turned to wine. I mean, I know we were in France uh, this last spring, and they had this picture, a uh, portrait of the wedding of Cana, one of the most famous portraits that's right. there. And the the symbolism and the significance of water and wine all throughout the biblical text. I mean, even as fundamental as communion, there's so much there, and you get to explore underneath the surface of the scriptures what's really going on in these stories it's fascinating so much of the scripture if you stop to think about it the geography of the land has so much to do with how we interpret the scriptures going over and actually touching feeling being on the geography is huge in terms of uncorking the bible as you read it well and the vineyards there are all over the place and jesus is often using parables coming right out of the vineyards and it makes more sense when you see this and it makes more sense even why this miracle would have happened at the wedding well and and cana if i remember correctly is in the jezreel valley and as you know the jezreel valley is very fertile and and it's it was the site of uh, mount gaboa is on the southeastern part of that that's where saul and david were killed by the philistines there's a lot that goes on in that jezreel valley and uh, i've never been to cana and I don't think our tour is actually going to Cana <laughs> this yeah. time around, but I'm I'm very excited to be going back to Israel. Do you have any slots available still on the tour? I, I know you had a lot of people. How, I mean, I do. We have about two or three left, but they would have to sign up like in the next few days. They would. Where can they go if they are interested? Some of our listeners here. Uh, they can just get a hold of me, uh, Bill at BibleandBusiness.com. That's great. And you can also call and text the studio if you want to join the conversation or even yep. get more information about the trip. It's 877-933-2484. That's 877-93-FAITH. We'd love to have you part of the conversation this morning. And I know, Bill, as we talk about business things each Wednesday on the program, you have uh, obviously been with any number of different kinds of businesses, large yeah. and small, and you've worked with a lot of family businesses over the years. And one of the things that you've seen that can really create a lot of havoc in the business is when it gets passed down to the next generation. And there's a variety of things that need to be navigated in that situation. One of them is just about corporate governance and how to sort of you know stay true to the principles and the realities of the business in the past. So talk us through some of that. Yeah, second generation usually grows up working in the business. And so they see how mom or dad ran the business. And whoever is going to take over the business in the second generation from a leadership standpoint, that's their model. Mom and dad, how mom and dad ran the business, that's their model for how to run the business. Business. Problem is that autocratic, I'm kind of wearing all the hats leader model from the first generation doesn't work when it goes to the second generation because you have all the siblings who also want to have some power and control. And so you have to uh, help the second generation realize that they have to really actually implement 
governance. They have to have shareholder meetings, board of director meetings. They have to have family meetings about the business. Uh, they have to have all kinds of structure uh, in order to survive uh, the second generation that the first generation just didn't have to have. Well, what do you sometimes see if there's maybe siblings in a family, two, three, four of them, that perhaps didn't get along so well growing up, maybe doing their own thing in life, but suddenly the potential for some wealth and some money gets involved in the business. I mean, I've got to believe that that gets tricky really quickly where people who don't get along but are united by blood are coming together around some of the financial reality. I can't imagine what you see in this. Well, yeah, you can actually. What what, what you can imagine is, uh, I don't know, uh, fighting on steroids, right? Because the the business is is able to throw off so much money, it's able to uh, support one family when when the kids are small. The second generation are, are kids or, or teenagers. It supports one family, one lifestyle. Okay, but let's say that that there's four uh, children in the family, and all four want to work in the business. The business isn't throwing off any more money uh, when the when the children become the leaders. But now you have four families that it needs to support, and so there inevitably there gets to be infighting, sibling rivalries, and all kinds of conflict that lead to. Um, people either cutting off or, or basically screwing each other in order to get the money so that they can maintain their lifestyle, so that they can realize their own personal hopes and dreams. It can really become uh, just a, a huge killer of family relationships as well as deteriorating the business because businesses don't run well when the leadership is in conflict. Yeah, and do you recommend that you bring some outside voices into these situations Absolutely. as opposed to just throwing the family into the wolves and the pot together? I've got to believe some outside perspective that everybody agrees these are the rules by which we're playing could be helpful. Absolutely, and yet most of the second-generation people honestly believe that they don't need help, that they can work it out on their own, or they're just going to ignore everybody and go do their own thing. I have a, I have a situation right now with two sisters and a brother. They own a, a resort here in uh, Minnesota, and the brother is actually the CEO of this resort, but he is starting to take resort property and resort assets to start his own business hmm. because he's so mad at his sisters. Well, you can't do that. I mean, you can't, as, as a CEO of a company, you have a fiduciary responsibility to uh, do what's best for that company and its shareholders. All three of them are equal shareholders here. By Minnesota state law, you just can't do that. You can't take that stuff and go start your own business. And so the the conflicts, the sister literally said to me, I've lost my brother. I don't care if I ever see him again. It's just heartbreaking. You know, I I had another another situation where a son, 41 years old, looked at his mom in the first meeting I ever had with him, and he said, my dad is a, and he gave an expletive. Yeah. And then he said, I'm never expletive coming to my to his funeral. Uh, I just it, it speaks to the power of when our eyes get focused on money and wealth yeah. and, and just yeah. the, you know, just that holding on tightly to stuff. Do you have uh, some stories where it did work out well and some characteristics that we could learn from, from like, boy, this one actually did go well? Because I, I know most of them don't, but is there, hmm, boy, we could just learn from this. Yeah, we do. Uh, what, what we do at Platinum is we try to pull the family together and we try to help the family improve their family relationships as well as helping them improve the business. And when you actually talk to family members individually and you say, would you like to have a better relationship with your sister, your brother, your mother, your father, 95% of them are going to say yes. Okay, well then would you mind engaging in the hard work of us rebuilding the family as well as improving the business? And uh, most of them will say yes, and then we go about a, a fairly structured way to do that. 
It's Bill English at BibleandBusiness.com. When we come back from break, Bill, I'd love to ask you just even about when different personalities in second and third generation take over a first generation business, what that means in, in terms of the tension that could be created if they want to chart out a different pathway, and there's some risk involved with that. So lots more coming with Bill English here on Faith Radio Mornings. It's just about 20 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to Faith Radio Mornings, joined in studio by Bill English of BibleandBusiness.com. If you want to join the conversation, feel free to call in or text at 877-933-2484. That's 877-93-FAITH. And, Bill, we do have uh, somebody who texted in a question about church as business kinds of conversations. And I can paraphrase the question. It says this, that church pastors and leaders are often resistant or not open to structure and strategic planning in some of the, the organizational practices that are helpful. How do we balance being led by the Spirit of God in the church, but also implementing strategic or sound business practices in order to carry out the mission of the church of growing God's kingdom? So pretty common question, well stated in terms of the church as a business, but not really, and how do we understand these the, the intersection of the two? Well, first of all, most pastors are entrepreneurs. Mm. Okay, so let's just take that as a given. Most of them are. Some are not, but most are. And so you entrepreneurs are usually resistant to structure. They like to be creative. They can see into the future. They can see what could be, and then they run towards it. And you either get on their bandwagon or get out of the way, but that's where they're going, yeah. right? Yep. And so uh, those who are resistant to structure, they can grow organizations only for so long without a lot of structure. And then at some point, they have to have it. Now, the Bible gives us structure. It's called an elder board. Okay, some churches have deacons and elders. Some just have elders. In the free church, we just have elders. Okay. The point is you have a board that oversees the people doing the work. And that's the same in churches as it is in parachurches as it is in business, for-profit business. Okay. That basic governance structure of having a board of directors that is holding accountable the leaders of the organization to accomplish the vision, mission, purpose, activities of the organization is essential to having that organization survive for the long term. Hmm. Is there some trickiness, though, that can happen in the church where they have a board and the importance of it, but so often board members in churches are identified or potential board members invited into the process because they've already bought into the mission of the church. They've already bought into what the entrepreneurial pastor is doing. And so I've seen boards function on some level still subservient to the pastor because they were so ministered to by the pastor. So they're almost not in an oversight role. They're still kind of in an acquiescing one. Yeah, acquiescing is 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 a good term for that because especially in your larger churches, the pastors are are pretty powerful people, and usually they're the single point of liaison between the board and the staff, right? Right. I'm not sure that that's very healthy. And so uh, the pastors themselves need to encourage the board to not just be a rubber stamp, a yes board, an acquiescing board, but a board that really holds the pastor and the other pastoral staffs accountable. Uh, when you go onto a board of a church, your role is a tricky one. Mm. It is not only to lead the church spiritually to pray and anoint with oil and all those things that, that, that boards, that, that elders do, but it is also to uh, be lovingly honest and hold uh, the pastors accountable to certain things and to do that in a loving way, but you still have to do it. People who get on church boards that are kind of mealy-moused and weak-kneed and weak-spined, they probably shouldn't be on the boards. Hmm. It's important, too, to, you know, if you're going to be an effective church leader, even organization leader, 
to have a, at least a wee bit of humility that I get it. You can have a lot of passion and energy for what you see into the future and, and, and you see the strategy and you see the possibility, but to have some humility in that to recognize maybe you're going to have some pretty big blind spots. I've got to believe that is one of the things that might differentiate effectiveness from lack thereof if you're not willing to look at your own blind spots. And it's the ability to take one hat on and the other hat off. So on Sunday mornings, I'm the parishioner while the pastor's preaching, mm. but on Monday night at the board meeting, I am a board member holding the pastor accountable and also holding <clears throat> each other on the board accountable. And so you have to be willing to shift roles. Uh, and Bill, you know, we've been talking a little bit about giving things over to the next generation. And yeah. this also applies in church structures, right? In terms of, you know, sometimes there's this movement of God that takes place in a church underneath a, a very effective visionary pastoral leader, but then second generation, third generation, it doesn't always continue in that way. And there gets to be the kind of same infighting that can happen in families. And I mean, talk us through what can happen in churches into the next generation. Well, it's to me, it's 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 when you have a very strong pastor who's been in a church for a long time, when that pastor finally leaves, there's such a vacuum of leadership that is left in the wake because that pastor is probably uh, someone who is very involved in every aspect of the church. They made a lot of decisions, and they really felt that that's what God wanted them to do. But what they didn't do was develop the next generation of leaders within the church. One of the greatest um, legacies, if, if I can put it that way, or one of the greatest gifts that a seasoned pastor can give to his church is the development of new leaders. And that needs to start five, ten years before he exits. Yeah, yeah. I was just in conversations with somebody this last week where they're part of a church where there's a transition happening of a long-term senior pastor that is uh, heading out. And the conversation is, is do we try to bring somebody from the inside that's been in the church for a significant period of time, or do we need a fresh voice from the outside? I've got to believe that's a conversation both businesses and churches have to deal with. Do you recommend that you... I think about Apple, computers, for example. You yeah. know, Steve Jobs yeah. almost had Apple University where he was leading the next generation from the inside out. Do you think it's better or is it just by situation to have somebody from the outside or, or to raise up people from the inside? I don't think it's better or worse either way. I think it's who's who's the next person up and who would make the right person look. Uh, two thoughts. Number one, if you're Citibank, GM, Microsoft, and you're looking for another CEO, there's probably only five to ten people you can look at worldwide. Is the, the the pool of people to be a CEO of that kind of corporation is just so small, and so they come in and they say, "Yeah, I want forty million a year," and you're going to go, "Well, okay, all right," you know, because there's just not a lot of people who can do that. Secondly, when it comes to pastoral transitions, my church went through one about five years ago. Mm-hmm. Probably, <clears throat> excuse me, probably the best one I've ever seen. I actually interviewed the former pastor, the current pastor, and the uh, elder who was the transitional elder among all that. There are three podcasts out at Bible and Business on that transition and how they did it. And I would encourage you that if your church is looking at a pastoral transition, go visit BibleandBusiness.com and and listen to those three podcasts on the pastoral transitions. Yeah, I think it could be just so helpful because that is when churches tend to fragment and divide. And I mean, there's grief that's being dealt with as a pastor is leaving. There's an uncertainty. There's like, where do we go from here? How do we pick up the pieces? You almost get to the situation of what would the pastor do, you know, when you're thinking about the future and you to, to be thinking about something fra- in a fresh way is really important when the pastor leaves. Yeah, it is. And the incoming pastor needs to honor the past, but yet uh, start leading the church forward. And instead of having a fear-based reaction to this, if you're a parishioner, I would say, hey, what are the opportunities? Yeah. What is this new guy going to bring us? And what are we going to bring to him that is really going to help propel the gospel and the kingdom forward? 
if we're looking at it as an organization, how's the organization going to get structured and stuff like that? I think that's the wrong view. The, the, the view should be, in my estimation anyways, what are we going to be doing new that's going to help bring the kingdom of God to our community. And that's Bill English of BibleandBusiness.com. And, Bill, I love having you on the program. You know, Platinum Group, you lead as part yeah. of this organizational transition. I know you've gotten pretty busy lately. Lots of people have I been have. tapping into your resources, and yeah. you have great ones to offer. Where can people get in touch with you if they want to maybe even uh, get some advice or some consultant kind of work with you as part of the Platinum Group? Yeah, as, as part of the Platinum Group, um, I'll still give out my Bible and Business address because that's just easier for us to do. So just email me at Bill at BibleandBusiness.com, and that's A-N-D. BibleandBusiness.com, or you can just call me at 763-458-3722. I love that you give out your cell phone number <laughs> over the air, Bill. It's fabulous stuff. Thanks for joining us as you, you go on Wednesday mornings. We'll take a break for Breakpoint and uh, come back and wrap up our show with uh, with Bruce Ashford, and we'll talk a little bit about both transgenderism and continue the conversation on Judge Kavanaugh as part of the news headlines of the day.